Welcome to this podcast, recorded live at the Junction Church, Aberdeen. We pray this message inspires and encourages you. For more information, you can connect with us at www.thejunctionchurch.com. It's so good to be back. We were, I was in Faroe Isles. Um, how many of you know where the Faroe Isles are? Oh, about half of you. No, no, but less than half. <laughs> Faroe Isles is a small group of islands. Uh, about the size of the Isle of Skye, um, but islands uh, in halfway between here and Shetland. Uh, sorry, halfway between here and Iceland. Uh, so it's um, it, it's right out there in the uh, North Sea, uh, and uh, it gets a lot of weather. Uh, the uh, all of the hurricanes and the the bad weather storms that sort of batter the west coast of Scotland, particularly, um, they just thump up through the, through the North Sea, uh, between the UK and between Iceland, and the Faroe Isles just sits in the middle and gets all of it. And uh, so we were there. Actually, when we were there, it was, it was stunningly beautiful. The weather was calm. They just had a massive storm. They are having another massive storm uh, as we speak, but they get them all the time. So, you know, don't feel sorry for them. They live there, right? It's their choice. And uh, so they, they get 100-mile-an-hour winds on a regular basis. Cars flip over. Uh, but houses are never damaged because they build them to withstand it. In fact, they always say, we don't understand why when you see on the news and hurricanes and people's houses are blown down, we go, why don't they just build the houses stronger? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you may have a point. It, it, it may be something to do with economy as well, mind. <laughs> it's an extraordinarily wealthy, uh, wealthy uh, country. Uh, Faroe Isles uh, produced almost as much money uh, with 50,000 people, as Denmark does with 6 million people. Uh, they, they make their wealth out of fishing. Uh, and um, it, while being wealthy, it has that sort of small island kind of mentality. So there's no flash. There's no showy business. One of the, the wealthiest people on the island, uh, worth hundreds of millions of pounds, uh, a Christian man, um, he uh, built a church of 2,000 seats, um, 2,000 pe- uh, people. Uh, the building that um, he, he paid for. And um, they, uh, he just rides around his factory on his bicycle. And uh, they, they, there's no point being flashy on a, on a little island, right? And uh, so it, it's an extraordinary place, just very, very beautiful. 50,000 people, as I say, 20,000 people are born again. Uh, so it's a very high percentage. They really are hungry and praying for a move of God. Um, not just in their island, but also for for Europe, and and really believe that God is going to do something quite profound through them. And uh, I, I th- when you go there, you catch something very very special. Um, and uh, there's very something very special in, in the environment. The conference that I was there with uh, with Joseph, uh, my son, who was uh, for those of you who don't know, Joe was uh, here. He now is living in Open. Uh, with his wife, and they, um, he, Joe came with me, uh, and uh, he did the evening session. It was a joint, it was a joint church conference. So they had all the charismatic Pentecostal churches together, uh, and all the the youth and young adults uh, came together, uh, and we had an extraordinary time. Just just the presence of God came, uh, and uh, we saw God do incredible things. Uh, Joe um, did the Sunday night session. Uh, and Joe being Joe, this is quite an amazing, Joe, Joe is extraordinarily creative, he's very musical and just kind of 
He just does things his own way. He doesn't fit into any rule book. He struggled at school, uh, at college. He struggled in any environment that gives him rules, right? And uh, it's a little bit like his dad. And, uh, but um, so he gets in. He's never spoken at a conference, right? He's, he's never done a conference. He's only preached. Um, in fact, he's never preached here. He's only preached in Inverness. Uh, and they said, will you, will you finish, off, finish off the conference on the Sunday night? And, uh, and Joe being Joe goes, yeah, that's fine. But we're going to have to change it all up. <laughs> I'm looking and going, did he just say that? <laughs> this is their conference. He says, no, no, you can't do it like that. Let's just get all the chairs out here. Get all the young people. And he, he, he pulls everyone in. And he gets, uh, he gets the whole place set up really, really just lovely. And he sits on the stage. And he, he literally calls all the youth and the young adults. Because there's a lot of older people there as well sitting at the back. He just let them stay there. He made all the, all the young people just come and sit around. And there was a few people unwilling. And he points to one lad. He goes, you with the nice hair. <laughs> come and sit down here and bring your girlfriend. I'm thinking, supposing she's his sister. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's always risky when you start when you start going. I mean, I did that once to. Uh, in, in fact, this is a completely another story. But I did it to a couple in in Sky uh, who are relatives of yours, aren't they, Ruth? Uh, I prophesied over a couple, <laughs> brother and sister. I thought they were husband and wife. <laughs> Awkward, and uh, so <laughs> and so um, so Joe. He just and he just sat on the stage. And he just talked about the love of God. He had one scripture and he talked about the love of God and the presence of God came down and, and, and just, just started to move amongst these people. And they just, kids just start to break down and cry. Uh, and Joe steps up and he, he looks at the guy with the nice hair and he says, do you believe in Jesus? And he goes, I don't know whether I do. He leads him to the Lord and then the whole place. It was just amazing. The young lady's girlfriend who was saved, crying. And uh, it, was, it, was a, it was an extraordinary moment. And just watching how God uh, can just move in that place. So, yeah, very, it was a wonderful privilege to be there. And uh, they have invited us back. So I, I would encourage anyone. It's an expensive place to, to get to, and it's very expensive to be in. But if you ever get the privilege of, of going to the Faroe Isles um, and exploring, it's like, it's like the, uh, the west coast and the northwest of Scotland, uh, with higher mountains and uh, and deeper valleys uh, and windier, <laughs> but it's stunningly beautiful. And they eat puffin, so uh, they literally you can order puffin and um, you can shoot puffin if you go that time of year. And uh, Dave, who was with us, Pastor Andrew was with us as well. Uh, he had an amazing time. And Dave, who's a businessman from our church up in Thurso, he buys all his salmon from from the Faroe Isles. And when he got there, they go. The, the businessmen go, we're going shooting puffins. We've got a two-week window. And you should have seen Dave's face because he shoots anything that moves. And, uh, and he was like, I'm shooting puffins, he goes. <laughs> we, were like, <laughs> we, were, we were like, oh, no, don't put that on Instagram. And, and uh, so he goes off. But he never, they never shot any puffins because the wind, weather was too bad. It was too, the, it was too windy. Uh, so they just went out and caught five ton of cod. And uh, literally, uh, in, in, uh, in a day, and uh, at 5,000 pounds a ton, it was, uh, they make, that's why they're rich, right? So, 
that's uh, that's that was my last uh, last weekend. Uh, exciting time, but it's so good to be back. And we're doing the Artisan series, uh, where we really want you to understand that when God touches your life, He touches it first. As we said in Genesis chapter two, verse nine, that God created the garden first, beautiful and then fruitful. So when God touches your life, He touches it first with beauty. Then with fruitfulness, we always, we've just got to be fruitful. Understand this, God wants you to understand that he wants you to know the nature of beauty and let your life reflect that which is beautiful and fruitfulness flows out of it. So we're trying to be fruitful, but as we understand that if all you're trying, if all you do is focus on those things which are fruitful, you try and just be practical and practical if it's not beautiful becomes something which becomes toxic and demanding and legalistic. How many times has the church become legalistic and demanding and expecting and, and becomes religious? And we, you know, I grew up in a, I grew up in a, a church. Cheryl's grand, uh, grandparents were my Sunday school teachers and, um, it was in a very religious church environment. I mean, they, they loved the Lord. There was a deep respect for the things of God. But the fruitfulness of the church had long disappeared because they had become practical. And the practical nature of the church meant everything fitted into a program and a process. And the moment that happened, everybody left. Because the beauty had gone. We've got to walk with the Lord. And understand that beauty always creates fruitfulness. And so artisans are ones who reflect the creative genius that comes out of beauty. When an artist, I, I follow lots of artists on Instagram. And, and you can tell that you see pictures of a beautiful landscape. And what they often do, a lot of artists, one of the, the trendy things to do is to paint a picture. And set it on the landscape so that the camera catches the, the painting and the outside of the landscape. So you can't see where the painting starts and finishes. It's, it's part of that. And, and it's the beauty of that context that caused them to paint. It's the beauty of what God does in your life that causes people to bring an expression of that wonder and say, this is how I want to reflect what I've seen. And, and so what it is that we're called to do is to see the beauty of what God is doing in the church, in the world, in people's lives, in our own heart. See that beauty and out of that flows a creativity and an ability to minister out of that. See, God anointed in Exodus 36, we see that God anointed the artisans to build the tabernacle. He, he didn't just anoint engineers. They would have had a lot of engineering. You need engineers to put it together. But it was artisans who said, this is what it's going to look like. It was artisans who, who created a beauty and a wonder. We're going, wow, this is amazing. This is so beautiful. This is so expressive. And so we need to understand that out of our lives, that while there must come a practicality and there must come a, an ascent essence of, of that which is um, just down to earth and getting the work done, there must first come the understanding that if it's not beautiful, then we're not reflecting what it is that God has called us to do. Let's 
This creates some beauty. This creates some wonder. And so um, I spoke to you um, two weeks ago uh, from about Bethel, uh, Genesis 28, 15 to 19. I'm just going to I'm just going to read this very quickly. In fact, we're just going to read 15 to 18 um, to save time. (laughs) Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go. This is the Lord speaking, prophesying to Jacob. And I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I've spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And so two weeks ago, I spoke about how the church is the gate of heaven, the place that causes that which is of earth and that which is of heaven to meet. All right, you with me? The church is the gate of heaven. That this is Bethel, the gate of heaven. The place a gate is a place where you move from one place to another place. In my in my property, it, you move from the drive to the garden. There's a gate. Most people have a gate. Chas and Heidi have a gate from the pathway outside path to the pathway to the front garden of their of their. Uh, home. And so you have here, you have a gate and, and it's sig- a gate signifies a place of moving in and out between the two. And, and Jacob had had a vision and a dream of angels ascending and descending. And then, uh, in John's gospel, Jesus speaks to Nathaniel and he says to Nathaniel, you will see angels ascending and descending upon the son of man. And so Jesus is taking from the scripture and is saying, I'm Bethel. I am the gate of heaven. I am the one who's been called. And so, so we need to understand that, that God has placed upon the church, which is the body of Jesus Christ, has placed upon us an access point where we can access heaven And we can bring that which is the creative genius of heaven, and we can bring that beauty to earth. You with me? That's what the church is about. That's what we're here for. And so I want to carry on, and I want to expand on this principle because there is a scripture which the Lord has been speaking to me a lot about, and I, I had it with me when I went to Pharaoh Isles. And I had planned to preach on it, but so had Joseph, the same scripture. And so he did, I'd done my message and then Joe comes along and he goes, well, look, everything that I wanted to say has already been said in all the other messages and the same scriptures too. And and so Joe just took the same scripture that he had got and he, Joe did what he always does, which is his own thing. And um, he he brought a fresh beauty of it. And while I'm talking about this scripture uh, Pastor Andrew from Thurso says to me, he says, there's a new book out by a guy called Andy Stanley called Irresistible, and it's all based on this single scripture. And this scripture is in Matthew, Matthew's gospel. Where is it? Matthew's gospel 22, 37 to 39. And it's funny how it's like God begins to impress upon us a scripture that many of us would know well. Let me read it to you. 
Matthew's Gospel 22, 37 to 39. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. People go, yeah, I've read that one, heard that one before. That's, that's quite familiar. Let me read it to you again. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If we just said here, what is the church? Who are we? Who are we as Christians? Why are we even here? I mean, why are we even here? Why, why, do, we, why do we even do this? I mean, most people are out just fixing their cars and doing a bit of shopping, and sitting at home. I mean, they had a restful morning. Everybody else, they just wake up at some time. But we have to get up early, right, to get to church. So, but they just wake up any time, and they just wander down, got their robe, their um, dressing gown, their robes, got their dressing gown. They just wander in the kitchen, and they put the coffee machine on, they sit there, and there we are. We get in church. Why do we do that when everybody else is sitting at home enjoying themselves? <laughs> or not? <laughs> why, why do we do this? What draws us in? You see, the kingdom of God is a kingdom that draws us together to express our love for God and our love for one another. There is, there is this drawing of the church that we might discover Discover something of the beauty of who he is as we draw together. Jesus says, this is the first commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first great commandment. This, is, this commandment is so great all of the law, everything that is written in, in the whole Bible hangs on this single truth. It, which also means that all of your hopes, all of your dreams, all of your future hangs on this single commandment. Everything we ever do, everything we ever build, everything we ever think, everything we ever hope for, everything we ever pray through, for every liberty and freedom, everything hangs on you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And here is the kicker. Here is the, the punch. Jesus says to them, and the second is like it. Now, when he says that, we often think, here's the first commandment, here's the second commandment. It's a big commandment, but it's the second commandment. Here's what I want you to know. Jesus says the second is like it. So it's not second in position. It's second in statement, but it's not in position. It's second, but it's like it. In other words, it's equal to. And this is what we often miss. It's equal to loving God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself, suddenly we've got a commission and an expression of creativity 
to work with, if I am an artisan of the power and the love of God, then I've already got a mission filled because my purpose is to love God, which is the place, the gate of heaven. Here we're at the point at the gate of heaven. Here is earth. Here's the natural world. Here is the heavenly world. And the church is the gate where people can meet with God. And so when we step into that place where we love God, we've got this connection, divine connection that goes from heaven to earth. We're good at that. Every Christian I've ever met is good at this stuff. One of the, the beauty and the wonder of um, that Cheryl and I were just talking about, when you meet Christians, there are a lot of churches in this city. There's a lot of churches in this, in this nation. There are a lot of churches in the Faroe Isles. And every church you go to, there's just these incredibly faithful, beautiful people who are believing and praying and preaching. and They're doing it all over the place. The Christians walk around with a slightly defeated, I'm believing for a breakthrough. I want to tell you something. There's something going on right across this city. There's something going on right across this nation. There are Christians all over the place grabbing a hold of the things of heaven. They're doing this. They're looking into heaven and they're drawing it down, believing for God's presence. All over the place. People's testimony. I believe God. So many people are just hungry for the things of God. So we're good at this. But where we lose our creativity is we spend our whole time doing this. But God created us to be a conduit of his love. And if power comes to here, but it doesn't go to there, let me tell you something about electronics I've just discovered, talking to my nephew who's studying it. If power has got nowhere to go, it causes a burnout. And Christians burn out because they don't have the conduit of his love that causes power to come here to go there. The creativity of your genius, the genius, the artisan, that is in the inside of you, the, 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 the miracle power of God to move upon your life. We were called to reflect the love of God, to love our neighbor as ourself. Well, how do we love ourselves? We love God. How do we, how do we love ourselves? This is what we do. How do I, do I love myself? I've often wondered this. I, I would think to myself, you love your neighbor as yourself, but we don't treat ourselves that well. Right? I mean, it's a fair point, isn't it? There's there's a lot of people who don't treat themselves that well, except every person who loves God, even though they may look at themselves in the mirror and despise what they look, look at, they still come to church and they still worship and they go, Jesus, I'm believing you, I'm loving you. There's a reflection of how they love themselves. How do you love yourselves? Because you love God. With the love and worship that you give to God, we have to reflect that this way. It's got to go, it's no good just going, love God, God loves me. Wow, I feel his presence. If you feel the presence of God, but are unable to express his presence and love to others, You become a conduit of his power when the power has got nowhere to go. Andy, my wonderful nephew, 
is designing for me a uh, wind turbine. We've been talking about this wind turbine, how to save money on electricity. And we've been talking about how we do it and, and getting it. And so he's got all these designs and he's done all the maths and he's got all these different stuff. And, but then the question came, where does the power go? Where does the power go? And, and do we just plug it into the mains? Because we could, right? But it's, it's a bit illegal. <laughs> so if you plug it into the mains, it, it, it can feed back into the grid. And if there's some fella up a telegraph pole and says, it's all right, we've switched the electricity off and my wind turbine's going, bang! <laughs> so we can't do that. <laughs> so we've been working out what is it that we do? How can we power? So we're going to be powering things in the house. But if the things that we're powering aren't on, then the power causes a burnout. So we have to understand that God has created us to love this generation. And there will always, you see, there's enough people to love. You will never burn out if you are using the genius of your creativity to love others. Let me read this to you. John's Gospel. I want to apologize to the back because I've completely used my notes differently. And uh, they're having to catch up with me. John's Gospel, Ephesians chapter 4. We, we read this two weeks ago. Sorry, John's Gospel. Where did I get that from? Ephesians chapter 4. Ignore the last three minutes. Delete that from the recording. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. So we are no longer to be children tossed back and forth by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people who craftily carry out their own deceitful schemes. So we are no longer to be children tossed back and forth by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people who craftily carry out deceitful schemes. Let me tell you something as a pastor. This is what I've experienced. Regardless of how much power touches a person's life, if that person doesn't grow up in the things of God, they're still tossed around by the enemy. You with me here? They just get flung. But the enemy comes and does this and, and does that. And they're, 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 the enemy causes other people to, to do things, say things, that throws people off. How many times has your faith been knocked by the words of someone else. It's never, my faith has never been knocked by events. Outside events, just sort of things happening. Like, we don't have any money. That's a common one. <laughs> my faith has never been knocked. It's been challenged, but it hasn't been thrown. But when people I've loved have said things, that's what throws you, isn't it? And what throws us is, is the nature of humanity, which is in itself selfish. If I say something which is selfish, then it disrupts the lives of others. You with me? And so that's the enemy. That's how the enemy causes us to get thrown around. How do we resolve that? Paul gives you the answer, but practicing. The truth in love. Now, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. 
So what's the truth? Is it the law? You shall know the law. You shall know how, what is the truth? What is the truth that sets you free? Because I've, I've been in church all my life and I've been surrounded. I learned to read reading the Bible. My mum taught me to read by reading Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's how I learned to read Old English. <laughs> I couldn't work out why no one said these and thou's. And so, so I've, I've been surrounded by the truth, but still haven't found freedom. You with me here? Been surrounded by it, but still I've met a lot of people who, who get the truth all the time. Know the truth, but not free. So was Jesus lying? Are you with me here? I'm just creating a problem for you. For you to understand. Understand, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Paul says, practicing the truth in love. What is the truth? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, upon which all of the prophets and the word hang on this truth. This is what he said. So the truth is you shall love God with everything. You shall love your neighbor as yourself as you love God, you shall have the same expression of that love, and that love will set you free. What did Paul say? Practicing, which is a practical application of the love of God. In other words, if the truth hasn't got practical application, then it's not a live truth word. It's true in its essence, but it's not truth in its power. Truth shall set you free. What is the truth? Jesus Christ is the truth. Jesus is the truth. What is Jesus? Jesus is the gate of heaven. He is the love of God. He is the expression of the Trinity, the fullness of God upon our lives. He is the, he is the power of heaven. And he gave his life for us. So let me read this to you again. But practicing the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Christ. So, your genius, your ministry gift, a lot of people like that term. What's my ministry gift? What's my ministry calling? What is it the Lord would have me do? So mysterious and wonderful. This amazing dream that God is going to take me to this supernatural utopia where all my problems will be fixed and I will have a life of power. I I need you to understand that place does not exist. Our struggles are every day. Our challenges are every day. The weight of the things of this world challenges us every day. But we have... A Savior, Jesus Christ, who loved us 
who created a gateway for us to step into the heavenly places and then said, come and be part of who I am. So if I'm practicing the truth in love, I'm stepping into the power who is Jesus Christ. And I'm expressing the fullness of his love for me by expressing it to others. I spoke to the youth last week or the week before on Matthew 25. Let me finish with this. Jesus divides the sheep and the goats. When he divides the sheep and the goats, he's dividing people who go to church. He's dividing the people who, who go to church. Not the world and the church. He's dividing the church and the church. He's dividing the church and those who go to church. Awkward moment. If I was a member of your church, Lord, for a long time, And he says, I was hungry. To the goats, he goes, I was hungry and you you didn't feed me. I was was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was in prison and you didn't come and visit. They were the Lord. When, When was you? I mean, why were you even naked? You're hungry? You still hungry? I, we can, I mean, I think KFC is open. We can fix that, right? And Jesus says, depart from me. And the fact that you didn't do it for the least of my brethren, you didn't do it for me. But he says to the sheep, the same thing. And they go, but Lord, I, I don't remember doing I mean, we did a lot of stuff, but I don't remember seeing you there. I'm sure I would have recognized you. And the Lord says, and the fact that you did it the least of my brethren, you did it for me. If there is ever a life-changing scripture that changes your heart, your drive, your motivation, that scripture blew me away age 16, and it's driven me every day ever since. The difference between a sheep and a goat, who they did and didn't love, what they did and didn't practice. Some received the conduit of God's power. They didn't give it away. Ouch. I don't even want to think about that, actually. What I want to think about is the fact that we are a church that has an amazing, amazing gift to impart on every single person on this planet any given environment, in any single environment context. But we do not think in crowds and groups and concerts and events, though we do many of those things. We think of the individual that we walk past down the street. We think of those who walk past us. And we see them every day, sometimes several times a day, and we just stop. Can we find a way of just expressing some of the love of God? We make it possible that their life can be dramatically changed. Is it possible I could love someone so much that even though they're so far away, far away from God as you could possibly get, maybe I can help them just take one step closer. I might not even be there to take them all the way home, but if I could 
if I could just take them a step closer, I'm sure the grace of God would lead them to bump into somebody else that would take them another step. I've had the pleasure of leading many people to the Lord. On almost on every occasion, I'm simply the last person in a very long line of people who've loved them like they would Jesus Christ himself. I wonder if we might love this generation, this nation, these people, as if they were Jesus Christ himself and give to them what they need. Thanks for joining with us. For more information about events, service times and how to connect with us, visit www.thejunctionchurch.com.